Welcome to the Grow My Salon Business podcast, where we focus on the business side of hairdressing. I'm your host, Anthony Whitaker, and I'll be talking to thought leaders in the hairdressing industry, discussing insightful, provocative, and inspiring ideas that matter. So get ready to learn, get ready to be challenged, get ready to be inspired, and most importantly, get ready to grow your salon business. Hey, it's Anthony Whitaker here, and welcome to today's episode of the Grow My Salon Business podcast. I hope that 2022 has got off to a great start for you. It has for us with a fantastic new group of salon owners and managers on the new online salon management course. If that's something that interests you, then we're looking to relaunch in the middle of May 2022. So if you want to get on the wait list, just visit us at growmysalonbusiness.com and register your interest so that you get notification of dates and times. So before we get on with today's show, I have a little favor to ask of you, and that is that you rate and review us on the Apple Podcast app. By doing that, it helps other people to find us, but more importantly, it also motivates us to keep producing great content for you and bringing the incredible range of guests that we feature on the show. So all you need to do is go to Apple Podcasts, search Grow My Salon Business, scroll to the bottom of the page, select ratings and reviews, and write us a review. We would be very appreciative. Now, on with today's episode. My guests on today's podcast have been on the show before. In fact, they were the very first guests I had way back in March of 2018, And that is Robert and Mary Chromians, who have a salon business based in San Diego. Aside from our conversation in 2018, they were also part of a group podcast interview I did back um, when COVID first reared its ugly head, so about two years ago. So two years is a long time in business, especially in today's world. And Robert and Mary have never been afraid to change their business. So it's going to be interesting to catch up and see how their salons and their thinking has evolved since we last spoke. So in today's podcast, we're going to discuss how their salon business has changed, what does flexibility look like for them and their team, and what positive things have come out of COVID for them, and lots more. So without further ado, welcome to the show, Mary and Robert Chromians. Hello. Hi there. Good to see you again. It's fantastic to uh, have this opportunity to see you two. How have you both been? I mean, it's a couple of years now since we've seen each other because of COVID. I haven't been traveling. You haven't been traveling. Uh, and I know we've seen each other on Zoom a couple of times, but how have you been? I think all in all, pretty good. We we did travel, Anthony. We just didn't tell you. We went we went to Greece oh, on a vacation. <laughs> Um, so we've had some travels kind of in a personal level, not okay. on a business level. Yeah. And um, that was kind of interesting, just seeing everybody as they fly and the precautions that were taken on the airlines. And that was, you know, I talked about it a lot, but I hadn't been on a plane. Yeah, yeah. So it was an interesting thing. And, you know, one of my favorite terminals in the world is um, Terminal 5 in London. Mm-hmm. And normally it's really a shopping mall with an airport. Yeah. But just to see a lot of businesses affected and closed and everywhere I go, LAX, it was a lot of businesses had not opened. Now, maybe it's just the pace of that day. They're not... I'm not saying they're out of business, but they're not opening for traffic based on, you know, labor 
over revenue does have a dominant effect on business. And there's been some huge shifts in that um, quite remarkably in the industry and in the world. So, you know, we'll kind of look at that. But as I say, we've got things on the calendar this year. Things are starting to pop up. We've got a few venues kicking in and, um, you know, getting kind of excited. But I will say the time off, I think I forgot what I did for a living. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I've, been on a, I've been on the treadmill for 37 years doing it every single weekend, work into a calendar, almost like when you're in the salon and you're fully requested, that's the kind of calendar I had. So I never, even if I said, I don't want to do it anymore, I couldn't get off. Mm. I was so booked in advance that you kind of had to follow the calendar. And then suddenly there's no phone ringing at me. We're like the Maytag man waiting for the phone to ring. Nothing. We're getting nothing. Uh, And my buddy Angus, he's going stir crazy because he didn't travel quite as much as you and I, but he loves to go out and represent. So he's like, what am I doing right now? You know, we're all going through it if you're an artist. But on the flip side, the silver lining it's the first time I've been a present owner in my business in 37 years. It's been amazing. Good. So good. I used to meet people at shows and they go, yeah, I work in the salon. I own it. I'm like me and my husband or whatever. I'm like, oh, I'm jealous of you. Every time somebody tells me that they're in the business, I'm like, oh, you've already got a hometown advantage. And uh, I think this is the blessing that we get to look at. And now whether I remain in the business forever, but at least at this critical point, it's time to reestablish really who we are, what we're doing, and not the legacy company I built 30 years ago. Uh, ironically, I still have clients come in and say, I, I came to this lawn when it's 30, you know, I've got people, 30 year veterans of our business. We've got a great brand name down here. So that gives us a little bit to work with, but it's been the biggest radical change in my whole beauty industry career. Yeah, definitely. I think it's like that for all of us. But look, before we dig into the the work side of stuff, because I'm really excited to hear about what you've been doing with that, um, let me just ask you, what's been the biggest challenge at a personal level? Because we've all been just like turned upside down and given a damn good shake. I mean, how have you, have you guys coped okay? I mean, is it, uh, you know, like, like you say, there's a silver lining to it as well. You get to spend more time together, relationships, spend more time at home. But, um, you know, there's a lot of people out there, no matter where you talk to, that they have really done it tough. So how have you guys found it at a personal level? I feel lucky because I, I do feel lucky. Like it had, that part hasn't been hard. I think the hardest part always for us comes into when it's about the salon. Yeah. And that does cross over into our personal life because we work together. We work together for Paul Mitchell. We work, I'm an employee of the salon that my husband owns. Like, there's that. So, and we live together. So every, like all of it does cross over. So the line of personal and professional is very, very blurred, but personally, I feel like it's great because we're in love and just three years married and we still act like newlyweds. So for us, I, I feel bad to say it out loud, but I feel like it was great. You know, like we weren't, you know, not living out of a suitcase, which is some of the stuff that I loved. I love to be a gypsy. I love to travel all over the place. I was good at being in the airport all of that was good and okay. And then when I finally had to actually put my, all of our luggage away and not have it just open and ready to go at all times, that was okay too. I got really used to being at home and, you know, lucky enough that we have this, a beautiful view of the ocean and we get to be by the beach. So we took advantage of it as much as we could. So I feel like personally we did, we did good. 
I feel like, <laughs> I good, mean, a, if it is just personal, obviously the stress of the salon and having to furlough 40 employees and all of that, that does blur the line and come over. But if it is strictly personal for me between Robert and I, it's good. good. <laughs> we well, like to good like to steal that quality, steal that time together and be together and cook together or be at home and each be doing our own thing too. Like it's, it's okay. Like we kind of have a, an easy way with each other, but we started that out a long time ago when we first decided to get together, we kind of had our non-negotiables of how we would treat each other. That was a contract. That yes, was a it contract. was. <laughs> so anyway, yeah. So it was mostly heavier on my end. I had more things I wanted. <laughs> I made a conscious choice to be in love. Yeah. Uh, I would just say, you know, for you and I, we hang around in a culture point of view. We're forward focused. We're thinking of the future. But I would say, and we talked about this a long time ago, the first things that happened through the epidemic, I was a little off the first few days. And my wife said, when are you going to become Robert Cromings? I'm like, okay, here we go. So I got in there. I rethought the whole business. We, we made changes in it, and we did so many things. So when I opened it again, it felt like a brand-new salon. So you know how your heart feels when you open a brand new salon, you're kind of in there. You're... So as that went through and then we got shut down again, then I'm like, oh, my God, it's like it's, it's like building after a flood and then it floods again. You know, it's like suddenly we're on and off. We're on and off. And that shook the crew. We lost people. Uh, and that's been the journey. A lot of industries have lost people. It's just one of the things that we're seeing as a as a result of this. So, you know, for me, towards the end it was getting it's getting pretty tough so then you get through and then there's a reoccurrence and then everybody starts masking up again we're still in mask uh, world in california yeah you guys just had your mask mandate lifted right by boris we've had everything lifted there's now there's now no restrictions it's it's sort of uh, common sense but but i mean you know uh, you just mentioned the B word, you know, Boris. A, a lot of it is 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 politically driven. It's about changing the agenda of what's being spoken about. So, um, a lot of people, like if, if I'm go if I go out, I'm still wearing a mask. If I go on public transport, or if I'm in the shops or whatever, some people do, some people don't. But there's definitely been a, I mean, I know you have as well. Uh, you know, in the US, have have had a political um, spin to yeah. the whole thing as well. You know, so. Uh, you can't help but thinking some of the lifting of restrictions here has certainly been influenced by uh, changing the, the the political story. But having said that, you know, uh, Omicron has been a lot more mild and, uh, you know, the, the intensive care wards are emptying out. And, you know, life's good. So things are getting back on track. And, and I was going to ask you about the various stages because we, it was interesting, before we got on this call, you know, I was looking at when I last spoke to you and you were the very first podcast that we did. You know, when we, we spoke together in Hawaii, in a bedroom in Hawaii, I got the microphone out and we did a podcast, which was fantastic. That was number oh, one a uh, long time ago. And, and then since then, we did, I mean, we've spoken on clubhouse rooms, et cetera. Um, and we spoke at the very beginning of COVID. And that's almost two years ago now, where it was like, oh, my God, the sky is falling. And it was like, you know, chicken little running around. What are we all going to do? And and uh, it was really interesting then sort of talking to different salon owners in different countries. But you, as you've already just said, Robert, it was like, you know, open, close, open, close. And, and the impact that that has had on on everybody, you know, clients, staff and and how we've, you know, had to uh, adapt and, and change our lives to it. Um, 
you mentioned the staff situation. Let, let me ask you about that because, you know, there's a lot of salon owners I talked to out there and they've had massive staff turnover through COVID. Um, how's that been uh, for your business? I know you've already alluded to the fact that you've had some staff turnover, but what did that look like? Well, you know, turnover has always been a sad part to my business model. And one thing I want to say to your listeners that Hawaii trip was the last trip we took, Anthony. So that is definitely pre-COVID. And I know if I listen to that today, some of the things I would talk about there, maybe we've resolved in some way towards the future. But uh, one of our friends calls it human capital. It is the biggest value. It's not building the clientele isn't easy, but building a team is much, much harder. Mm. So we went through quite a lot of uh, losses. And it, it started out, we still retained a pretty good crew on the first reopening. Yeah. New systems, all the stuff. They jumped through a million new hoops to to establish themselves that they Even cared. the second one, actually, we yeah. retained quite a bit. It was the third shutdown. Mm. And then people started shaking off and creating independence in other ways, perhaps doing hair from home. Um, just stuff. I'm not going to go through the list. If you're an yeah. owner out there, you've already got your own list. It's not personal, but I'm just saying people uh take care of themselves first and i understand it it's a kind of crazy world we're living in because i have we have rules of protection so if your client says i'm a you know a thousand dollar ticket but i'm not wearing a mask what are you going to say yeah. well in my company i had to say no hmm. but if you're going to her house or you i'm just saying this is what's going on out there and some of this if you look at the best business model I've ever seen it is doing hair at your house because <laughs> you've got no rent so the reality of uh, people is a big thing. So I used to do hiring events, Anthony, back in the day. Uh, admittedly, I'm on every stage everywhere. And we get 40 or 50 young kids coming in for audition. From all over the country. Everywhere. So we would build our crew in that way. And now some of them just wanted to be rock stars, platform artists. So, you know, that's not really the job we're selling. We're selling being successful behind the chair. Yeah. And if you do that, then you have the right to be a, an educator. So as we kind of built through that, we, we looked at our thing. So I started my first hiring event. How many people showed? Um, like eight. Eight people. Uh, so we go in and I could tell by the eight that the, it wasn't, it was like a model call. It wasn't really working. And it sort of dampened my spirit a little bit because if I can't work with people, I got to build a team. Because mm. in this salon that we rebranded called The Cutting Room, it's only focused on cutting hair and it's designed for Kids obviously coming straight out of the school, uh, future pros, and for somebody moving into town that's got to rekindle a clientele. It's a building store. Uh, three prices, rising star, 20 bucks, uh, superstar, 30 bucks, rock star, 40 bucks. Okay. So the idea is when they're training, they're in that 20 zone, getting them into the 30, 40. We're like an In-N-Out burger. If your listeners don't know what that is, it's a burger place in California that's unbelievable. They only sell... Four items, period. Mm. So to me, you can get a haircut, you can get a treatment, and you can buy take home. And those are the three things that we're looking at every single day. And now, why no hair color, people ask me. Because if a kid's coming out of school and they're starting to hand paint, foil, blah, blah, whatever, they're not, it's too much for the little brain to take. They need experience. They need to cut hair. And at $20, you're going to get volume. So, you know, we've been doing this. We started off the first three weeks, did I? Four weeks? Three weeks you did. We did haircuts for free. I was out there. We had a sign out. We were pulling them in, doing 20, 30 guests a day. What better way to train people instead of telling them, making them watch me, let's just get in there. Just Hands do in. some hair. 
Because if I look at my old way, I used to train them as assistants for eight months to a year and paying the payroll. And yeah, it could affect the average ticket of the stylist. But in the long run, I had to find a new way to train people. And mm -hmm. I figured this would be the greatest way. So it's a slight short career path, three, four years. And then we're going to encourage you to go downtown. And we'll talk about that in more depth because yeah, yeah. we're looking to build a, a different relationship is really one salon with two locations one's a builder last saturday we had 10 walk-ins that's a good location and the street is alive but i will just tell you the issue i've got 12 people when you ask me about human capital so in the last how long it's it's only been six weeks because january was when you started charging so just pricing. picking them up in onesies and twosies and they come and they come and just suddenly now I've got 12 people. So if there's something I'm grateful for, Anthony, that I could get 12 people, um, the prices are small, but I will say we're seeing 50% retail days. Okay. 50%. Now why I'm paying the 40% commission. Remember I talked about that. Mm. So I've done it in this store. So right now they're minimum wage, nothing attached. That raise can come in there, but I want them to see a value of take home. And we're having kids that are just killing it on all three points of success, a haircut, a treatment, and some take home. Okay. And trying to really modify and get that as an experience. Now, let's say you come in, Anthony, because I noticed since the last time I seen you, you need a little bit of blonde in your hair and you want color. We're going to encourage them to go downtown, either as an employee or as a freelancer. Hmm. So they can be building both at the same time. It could be a hairdresser in my downtown location needs new traffic. This would be the place to come in and build a bit of new traffic, build a new relationship uh, with a client that may be interested in chemicals later. And that's a wonderful experience downtown. So, you know, we've been having quite a good success with stylists working in the cutting room and getting clients to go downtown for the color experience. Okay, so much there that I need to dig into. Um, so you've answered some of it. Like you said, you don't do color. That surprised me because as a generalization, you get all these young young people coming out of beauty school. And what I hear from everyone I talk to all over the world is that young hairdressers today can't cut hair because most people have got long hair. But what they can do is they can colour hair better than what my generation could when we first came out of beauty school or finished apprenticeships, et cetera. So, so you know, 20, 30 years ago, they could cut hair better, but they weren't great at colour or dressing hair, whereas today they're generally much more competent with colour, but purely because of the fact that there's not that many haircuts about, you know, most girls have got long hair, no matter where you are, they're, they're, they're just not that skilled in the haircutting department, but they can colour, they can do beachy waves and balayage until their arms drop off. Uh, but that has got a bit boring for, you know, for, for in, in terms of fashion, et cetera. So, so, I was surprised to hear you say that you drop them straight in to do cutting. Sort of glad to hear you say that, but surprised to hear you say that. Well, it just is a visionary. I may move into the Demi a little later in the season as oh, a as a I know well, you have Demi. You I have do clear. I have I sell clear as the top top coat, top. clear shine. Right. Okay. So no ammonia. It's just yeah. if you want, you know, a super shiny haircut, yeah. your hair's okay. dry and damaged, and you want to upgrade to the most expensive treatment and the demi does last four to six weeks. So there is that, but with no color actually in it. So yeah, no yeah, tonal change. It. It's it's and, and, and because you went to a lower price point, because it's the same location that used to be a Robert Chromian salon, but now you've yeah. rebranded it, the cutting room at a lower price point. Yeah. 
So what I was going to ask you is, I mean, they are very low prices, $20 for a haircut, uh, $20, $30, 40 In terms of volume, like what do you, you know, as a, I mean, a $20 haircut, you can't take an hour to do it and still be paying the rent. So, so how are you... How are you getting volume going through there? Or is it early days yet? Well, it, it majority of it is on $20. And what they need is experience. Yeah. So I'm taking a bit of a beating on it. Yeah. If you look at minimum wage, is $15. And yeah. I was just saying, I'm encouraging them to take an hour because the journey we want to take you on, Anthony, is up to the 40 and eventually Into to a whole different experience level. Okay. So it's really designed to build. So the $20 is ridiculous. But as I look forward to a year from now, most people will be in the 30s and 40s. And only the new talent really is in the 20 category. Right now, I have 12 new talent. Mm. So we are building 12 people all together. So right now, I'm doing a Valentine's We Love You Too, two for one, uh, trying to get traffic in the door. Uh, There's not a lot of wiggle room, but again, it's not about the dollar right now for me. Well, it is about the relationship between the retail and treatment to the dollar because yeah. i don't know if you said it but obviously the treatment is an additional charge so that 20 dollars okay. haircut she i could upgrade somebody to a 20 dollars treatment okay. and then have a 40 dollars average ticket still living with inside that one hour time frame okay, it's not still it. the most you know highest yeah, yeah, average yeah. ticket ever but i could turn that 20 dollars service into a 40 dollars service Easily, and then yeah. even what we've been seeing too is and I'm obviously the percentages are high because the dollar amount is low, but mm. the take home is really amazing. So sometimes they're having like a hundred dollar day doing five haircuts or whatever, but then also having, you know, a $75 take home average, which is retail. That's great. Yeah. So, okay. you know, so that part is. So well, with, that, with, with that, with the, the retail, did you say before you were giving 20% commission on the retail? Before I was, I still do that in downtown. Now I'm giving 40. Okay, right. So you're now giving 40% commission on the retail. Wow. Let's circle back a little bit. So here's what, there was none of the people from original store. I moved them all downtown. Yeah. So it's a brand new culture. We're starting over. To be honest with myself as my own coach, we had really lost the retail culture within our company. So what I want to make sure that people understand, I've told my crew, I've told the world, if you want to be a successful hairdresser, you build the ticket, build a bear. It's your average ticket. It's your retail. It's all of these things. And yet sometimes people deny you. It's like, why? Why would you not do these things that help you? So to me, I want to start again. Hmm. So rip it up and start again. As we begin again, these are the things that are important to me as we move forward. I want to get them addicted to color. I want to get them in that chair. But right now, let's comb a few heads. Let's understand where the head is at. And again, if you've got the relationship with the client, we're going to encourage you to take you downtown to the experience level, the color bar, everything you can imagine. It's a different experience and people have been digging on it. But because we're starting again, um, it's a chance for me to really make an impression on these kids coming through that if they see the value and take home today, which also is a way of retaining clients, it's a belief system. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we're going to build a new crop of people. And I'm fortunately to say that you got to start over, but that's sometimes the only way to affect the culture. People do what they do. And once they're in the condition habit, it's very hard to change their mind. Yeah, yeah. So if you really get into the reality it's retraining, reprogramming, and then rethinking what we do because nobody believes in the average ticket more than Mary and I. 
she's still maintaining a four and five thousand dollar week. She's still got an average ticket. I think uh, what was your your score the other day was outrageous. 365 average ticket. Okay. So that's the game we play. But what we've seen when we put some of the kids in harm's way with color, it was redo central Mm -hmm. because they really don't have it. And they also don't have the communication skill. Mm. So a lot of what we're really focused on is that elevated consultation using things like hair AI uh, to use a little bit more to get the consultation right as you're learning. You're free for life. And I'm just saying, again, this is things that people know. People have common sense. They go, okay, consultation, elevate it. You're going to elevate your game. People hear it, but they don't do it. Mm. It's just simple. And I'm just saying my wife is an example. She's elevated her game during this and now has fewer clients with twice the meaning Mm. and really has a relationship with those guests. And it turns into dollar, dollar bills. Mm. So I think there's... To me, as usual, Anthony, I'm in the game in all hands. I'm playing all all hands here. And, you know, why not? It's diversity and it's flexibility. So, you know, as I say, it's a brand new endeavor. So I've been down there pretty much every day since it's opened. I cut a couple of free haircuts. I jump in like a learning leader, cut a bit of hair. I help them with the consultation. Uh, we haven't had a single redo, which Mary told me. I didn't expect any. So No, but when you have new talent working on their own and they don't have somebody to go to, to say like, hey, she wants curtain bangs, but I don't don't know what to do. You know, now they having Robert there as the ultimate mentor and the person training them, it's literally on the job training, which I think makes all the difference. Yeah, yeah. And the guests are leaving happy. And like, you know, even if if Robert leaves a little bit before the whole day is finished, we still have, you know, our salon director might be there. So he's making sure, you know, how was everything, Anthony? Did you enjoy your experience? So there's a lot of like checks and balances without having to do a class on it. So each Mm. class is inside the salon on a paying guest. So and it's kind of bullet coachy. So let's just say I'll have a kid didn't succeed at something. I'll redirect or give her the dialogue. And next time she knows how to use it. So it's just amazing where you're able to nudge. And again, I'm not against education. I love education. But how much can the mind take? And to me, what I think is people need is experience. Mm. Sometimes I have people doing hair six years, and when they comb hair, I'm like, wow, you don't have six years experience. It all depends where you work, doesn't it? Because a pace, and if you imagine in my scenario of the cutting room, my dream is you do 10 a day what type of skill would you have to do 10 a day? Mm. Dexterity, comability, client handling. So to me, it's a building of a certain muscle that's important. You know, we talked about this at seminars. Call every guest, text them, check up on them right after you've done their hair. Yeah. The resistance. Oh, my God. They would rather stick a burning needle in their eye and do it. Well, these young kids that just started with me, mm-hmm. when I say young, they're young and experienced, not in age are doing it and then falling off the chair when the client is delighting and yelping about them. Fantastic. Yeah. So, you know, it's a case of habit building. Yeah. And yeah. I love my crew and we can talk about them as a separate entity. We've got mm. some performers, our other organization. Um, and we did also change the business model there. We brought in freelance as well as, okay. so it's not or it's and, and we put it to the team. And at the time we thought we had to do the whole team And then the government stepped in and said, we didn't have to. So now it's an option. And we had three members that chose it and the majority of the team did not choose it. Okay. Well, I was going to ask you about that with when you were talking about recruitment earlier on. And uh, I was going to ask you about 
How have you found that through COVID? Because, um, you know, we keep hearing about this thing, I mean, you know, globally about it's the year of the great resignation. And that, interestingly, I heard some statistics about the US and they were saying that in uh, October, November, December, or was it September, October, November, it doesn't matter, but the last quarter of last year, that every month you broke the record from the previous month. Uh, and that was that you had uh, over 4 million people every month moving jobs in the US. And it had never been 4 million before. But that what they were saying was that the interesting thing was that the unemployment rate wasn't going up. In other words, people were moving jobs. They weren't going, I don't want to work, I'm unemployed. So that was interesting. And obviously in our industry, what you keep hearing about is that there's this big swing towards uh, being independent, salon suites, you know, self-employed, you know, whatever the terminology is. So I was going to ask you about that when you were saying that you weren't getting a lot of response to your recruitment days. Is that because they're that that's what you're feeling, that people do want the sweet model, they want to be self-employed, they want to be booth rental or, you know, wh whatever the terminology is you're going to use? Well, the one thing that I get to do as a, as a coach for the industry, I know these organizations, there's some I admire so much. Salon Republic has a beautiful business model. So I've had my eye on this for quite some time. My ultimate dream was to build a salon people would pay me to work in. Uh, right now, Mary and I are house hunting. And we went and seen a couple and, oh, my God, just terrible. And I know what I want, um, but there's an upgrade to it. So to me, when I look at the system, when I hear about weekly rent, not everybody has the flexibility to understand the reality of a, a weekly rent. That's, you know, that's a lot of money. An average solar suite's $400 a week. So when you break it down, what I've come up with is a very different sort of flexibility. So we're doing it by the day. Um, so they've got a kind of simple thing. We've got color by the ounce. So we, they don't have to go to the beauty supply. We supply towels. We've got a premium location. We've got back bar thrown in, um, <clears throat> multiple chair use if you're into it. You know, so the kind of reality is what I'm saying is I want that business model in my marketplace. Mm -hmm. I want it, one, as an evolution of my own career path. That I don't lose people over money. And two is I think the industry does want flexibility. Now, flexibility is a, a deceiving word, Anthony. So funny. So when we talk about flexibility, so I would come to Mary and say, what schedule do you want to work? She goes, I want to work Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday. Okay, I gave you that schedule. In Mary's mind, that's not flexibility. Nope. Flexibility is let's say your caller, your client, Mary, calls and wants a touch-up on Sunday. Yeah, I can get you. So what they're actually wanting to do right now is actually play more days. Now, we're having an issue with this already, but because we've done them, some of them are working kind of weekly. So we just gave them backstage passes. They're working every day. Now, if I had asked them to work every day, they'd, they'd quit. But they're, oh not, but they're only going in for ones and twos. So it's a kind of lifestyle. Okay. Not working 10 to eight, not working, you know, eight hours, 10 hours. They want to go. Yeah. Some of them are working seven days a week. I'm like, I couldn't get you to come in for three days and now you're coming in seven days. I have no idea, but they just leave when they're done. But does, well, that, that, create, uh, but does that create a nightmare for you in terms of maximizing the usage out of that chair of people are just going to swan in and out? When and as moment, no, at this moment, no, because we still kind of have our same team. We haven't hired, we've had a, we just started, um, 
really putting it out there through the internet on our career page that we're actually looking for freelancers. So we haven't hired yeah. in anybody that is Anthony that has was working at a suite by himself and wants to come and work in a salon where there's other people, but still be freelance. Yeah. So we haven't ventured into that. Um, so we've been able to sort of work out some of the kinks with the three people that we have that are, are internal. They're technically, they were our employees. So, right, okay. you know, we can say to them, Hey, we're, like Robert said, we're doing color by the ounce. So we just partnered with Salon Scale and Salon mm. Scale, you know, if you know of it, you can, you basically put the guest name in, you measure, you get to Bluetooth measure their color. So it says, I use two ounces of color on Anthony. It's going to be X amount of dollars. Mm -hmm. So rather than them having to buy those tubes of color, they just pay at the end of the week for what they've accumulated of use. Yeah. But we were, you know, we, are new to it. They're new to it. So it's very easy for us to say, like, let me know what's not working. Let me know what is working. Do you like this? So that part is really great because it's kind of like a little Petri dish of figuring it all out. And mm -hmm. I think as we gain more freelancers, we will definitely have to tighten the reins because for me, it's a little loosey goosey. I'm happy if people want to work seven days a week, but you need to pay for it. Yeah, yeah. Well, the contract you signed, you signed for three days, <laughs> but now you, you want to work seven days. So you have mm -hmm. to understand that if you were working at another studio, a suite by your lonesome, whether you work one day or seven days a week, you're paying for all the days in your monthly rent, you know? So we have to, that's a kink we have to work out too okay. at the so, top, but you know. So with the terminology of that, Mary, is there a distinction between freelancer and booth renter? No, it's just sexier. Right. Okay. Got freelance. You know, like I'm just making sure. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, freedom, well. flexibility. But booth renter does technically mean you rent a booth. You don't yeah. have the choice of having multiple stations. Yeah. You don't have a color bar that has separate separate chairs. Um, I think freelance sounds way better than I'm a booth yeah, no, renter. I, I, I agree with In you. In our but, opinion. Yeah. yeah. There are yeah. some. There are some things which uh, where I've thought words were interchangeable. And been told that they're not. So I just wanted to be clear in my own head as to as to whether they were or not. With that word flexibility, that is the buzzword, isn't it? You know, what do people want today? Oh, yeah. Flexibility. So what else do they want under that definition? Because that was interesting what you said, what flexibility actually means. Is there is there anything else that they want flexibility in? Because this was actually interesting on a pod on a not on a podcast, <laughs> on a clubhouse uh, that I did, where I basically that was the question. Like what, what do people want when they say they want more flexibility? And it was interesting at the end of the one hour call, I really weren't any the wiser as to what, you know, so, so what do you find that people? For me, you can speak for yourself, but I think for me, it's they want to come and go as they please. Mm. There's a small, like for our salon, we have a dress agreement where it's all black. Obviously, if somebody's a freelancer, booth renter, independent, solopreneur, you can't tell them how to dress. They can wear, you know, florals they can wear color they can wear their pajamas if they want to obviously we have a certain standard and level of professionalism in our salon but mm. yeah they want to be able to wear what they want to wear too i think that's that's one minor thing in our salon but really the biggest one that i've seen is to come and go as they please yeah not have to punch in on a clock okay got it um mary while you're talking oh uh, yes. No, I was just—I was gonna—I was gonna switch it up and ask something else. But did you want to add something onto that, Robert, about flexibility? I don't know. It, it's that. Let me be, be very clear on this because I've been an employee-driven salon for the last twenty-five years, and now I've changed my mind. I'm offering the mm -hmm. and. I don't necessarily agree with the perception either way because I had half most of my team stayed because they've seen the benefit of it, and when you start calculating it. 
one of my young ladies was probably working on a day of rent. It's a hundred dollars. There she is. And she's got two cancellations. So that was a tough day for her. <laughs> Understand me. But when you're in my employee, you have two cancellations. You're protected by your payroll. Uh, gotcha. So I'm just saying if the perception of the industry is one thing, that's what we must as owners adapt to mm. instead of arguing the point and saying who's right or wrong. I'm just saying it's, it's what it is, mm. and it's how we deal with that. And I just think I've been to a few things business-wise of the late, and when it's all like-minded business owners that are employee-driven, we all have similar ideas, but yet we're watching the industry take more and more in an independent structure. Mm. And I just think there's a time to look at a, an alternative business model, not or, but an and, as a mm. career path. You built somebody up to $3,000 a week revenue, and they're right to, about to move down the street on you, make a different deal for their energy, for their take home, for their knowledge. It's worth it. And I'm just saying it actually works. And when I look at this business model, they pay me to work here and I make a small percentage off the color consumption and they have full access, like an open bar instead of running to the beauty supply and picking up three tubes. And then she comes in and says, no, I want to go red today. You're like, Oh, I'll be right back. Do, 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 do. <laughs> but we do have a beauty supply in our back of our salon because yeah. our salon is giant. So we do have a beauty supply back there, which they can purchase full tubes, full things of developer, foils, gloves. Okay, good. Um, Mary, I was going to ask you about um, consultations because I know that you were really big on virtual consultations 12 months ago when I was probably talking to you on Clubhouse, whatever. It was a real thing. So what I wanted to ask you about was that as we're sort of coming out the other end of COVID, are you still doing that? Is that still a thing or was it something that was like, you know what, it was appropriate for the time, but we no longer do it? No, we're still doing them. We're still doing them. It's so appropriate. And I can't believe we took this long to start doing them. It took a pandemic. Um, you know, guests are still calling and they can't articulate what they want or what they need. So um and sometimes they just need so much. So any guest that's brand new or has a whole story that they're telling our reservationist, if they're on the phone for 15 minutes, our reservationist knows to, you know, all right, I'm going to ask you to text pictures to the salon phone number. I'm going to connect you with your stylist. They're going to they're going to call you and set a time for you to do a digital consultation. The best part about it is it sets you both up to win. So the thing about yeah, I can do a, you know, schedule myself a 15 minute or 13 minute complimentary consultation inside the salon, which is nice because you see them in person, but then I still have to go through the motions of making a future reservation for when I can fit them in. So mm. it really takes a lot of the guesswork out of it. It's a time saver. If yeah. I need to see them in person, for example, if somebody's getting extensions and I need to match the color, then certainly come like, let's have a digital consultation. We can get so far, but then come in for the match. Yeah, but okay. when it's about color or a cut or someone that's brand new, it takes a, it really eliminates so much stuff and it makes it levels the playing field and it allows you to have your list next to you of what you want to talk about, your pricing you're going to talk about. You can bullet point everything without looking like you're having to look at notes, kind of. You can mm -hmm. make notes on that guest. You can talk about money without it being awkward because they're already in the salon and they're like, oh, that's not in my budget. So you can really easily talk about, okay, well, if you want this, it's going to cost that. But since this is your budget, let's do this and make it go for this many weeks or months. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then it also helps when the guest does actually come into the salon, you're not spending 45 minutes of your color time or your haircut time consulting and getting to the bottom of what they want or don't want. Got it. Yeah. So for us, it's still, it's still ongoing. And I feel like we're pretty good at it and pretty quick and efficient. 
And the guests seem to really enjoy it because they're like, oh, yeah, I can still do this from the comfort of my home. Right. Okay. And are you doing it wherever you are as well? Like you, you're yeah. literally doing it on your phone too. So you don't have to be in the salon, sat down at your laptop or whatever. No, okay. no. Cool. And if there's a time that I have, if I can go in a little bit early and do one that way, if I have it during a processing time, I will do that. But oftentimes I'll do it on my day off. Yeah. Um, just, yeah, just in the comfort of my own home. I do put some makeup on, make sure I look professional as if they were coming into the salon. You know, you know how we can fake it on Zoom. Yes. But, um, but yeah, it's just, it's really yeah. nice. It really takes, it's a time saver for me in the end, even though it's something to do on my off time. It's a time saver for me at the end because when the guest comes in, I can say, okay, Anthony, remember when we talked digitally, we said we were going to do A, B, C, and D. We're still going down that path, right? Okay, let's get started. Mm. We don't have to go through all the motions of what's your goal sure. and your limitations with your hair. Do you have pictures? You know, we can do a quick recap and we're on to the process of, getting your hair done. Sure. Have you, have you seen any changes in the color side of the business because of what we've been through the last two years? Has there been anything dramatic that's like, yeah, that wasn't happening, but now it's a thing? Mm, there's so much, actually, to be honest with you. Um, I found the thing that I feel, not so much with color, but I feel like the guests, I have guests that are pre-booking for the whole year. Uh -huh. where sometimes the guests would do like two reservations out. They're booking for the whole year. They're like, nope, I need to know that I'm getting my hair done. And even for haircuts, mm. they're like, no, I, I just want this in. I know I'm coming here. I need this. And right. that I think because they would pre-book, but I even had a guest that has been coming to our salon. She, he, she used to see a, a stylist that used to work for you for like 15 or 20 years. So she's been coming to the salon since she was like 17, mm. never pre-books, but she always comes in and I would to the point that I would put in my phone, like text Kim that she needs her hair done in three weeks. Mm. So it would get to that. She's like, no, no, don't know where I'm going to be. The last three times she's pre-booked her reservation. No, I have to, I need to, I need to make a reservation before I leave. I'm like, who are you? You don't do that. Like, that's right, not, okay. yeah, yeah. I can't yeah. talk you into it no matter what I do. And now, no, I need to do this. It, my hair looks and I, my hair looks and feels better. I look and feel so much better when I have this set up and I'm not having to wait, you know, three, four or five weeks to get my hair done. Yeah. Um, I do feel for California, the part that's a little bit different and unique. We have been having a lot of tint back to naturals which is unusual because everything is blonde, blonder and blondest in San Diego. Mm -hmm. And that has kind of been a, an unusual turn where like I see people filling hair and we're like, oh gosh, okay, these everybody wants to have a little bit of, you know, they're going back to natural, something richer and chocolatey. And I don't know if it's just to change it up or they don't want to see that regrowth for the grow mm. out or they just want, you know, new year, new me kind of thing. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. And then and one other little thing is um, I have had guests that, are coming in and saying that, you know, when I'm talking to them about their color and they're growing out, they're like, I don't want to look grown out. I want my highlights down to the roots. Mm -hmm. So that was like, you know, I'm like, oh, are we getting out of that? Okay, let's let's do this, you know? <laughs> so that's pretty exciting where you don't have to feather to the base or do ombre or do balayage. I mean, it's yeah, still yeah. there, but a lot of guests are like, no, I want to see it at the scalp. I want to okay. see light and bright there so that's kind of fun and exciting but i don't know if that's a cause of the pandemic sure, or yeah, yeah, yeah. maybe they're just getting back into the world and they they want to be lighter brighter and ready to go yeah and, and robert when we spoke last uh or at some point at the beginning of covid you were rebuilding the salon you literally just ripped it apart reinvented the the client experience 
you know, a lot of it was because of social distancing and stuff. But I know you were really big on even before that, but COVID seemed to be the catalyst, was having the deskless salon and getting rid of the front desk and stuff. Did, did you do that? And now looking back, how's all that worked? Well, it's, it's a piece of furniture in our stores, and it does seem to still create a little huddle. But what I will say is we are cash-free. Everything technology has taken over is just incredible. Mm. So we pretty much have everybody's credit card. Obviously, if they're a walk-in, we got to collect it. But the downtown store, we have everybody's information. So it's really becoming less and less. The phones can be answered from either location. So it can be sit, it can sit idle on a work day yeah. uh, with nobody attending it. Maybe the manager of the salons with me in the, the cutting room, um, you know, so just depending on there and everybody's kind of aware how to self-check and stuff. So I would say that's a goodie in my cutting room. It's a part of your job because I will not have a desk person on there mm-hmm. unless it's heavy traffic days. So they have to learn how to work from the, the, the doorway and get a client in and, you know, make the appointment and be able to check people out because they say, I'm not looking for a 25 minute haircut. I'm hoping you spend an hour with the experience. I want you to keep this client for life. Mm. And we've already seen repeat traffic. So it's quite encouraging. Um, when I think about the color concept, I'll just tell you before the influence that made me take it away. I had some young people doing great color, just like you mentioned, and they were pretty good hair cutters too, but the time it took them to do it, Anthony. <laughs> so forget the costs of goods. Let's go to labor. The labor these guys were putting on a needle and thread highlight uh, and then product consumption on top of that. But forget the product consumption compared to the labor. It was massive. And then the ticket would come in low, very low and below minimum wage if you looked at it from that point of view. So time is a big, big factor of the industry and a lot of the free-handed painters out there and people that do that type of work, I hope in parallel to the hours put in, you've got a price that's relevant. Mm. So whether you're charging by the hour, or you're just thinking it by the hour, that takes me four hours. How much did I charge? Okay, I'm making 50 bucks an hour, 80 bucks an hour, 100 bucks an hour. Um, there's so many changes have happened in the industry that commission hid that when you really break it down and you see how much time went into doing that process, then you've got to question it because when you're looking at sometimes seven or eight hour journeys, the path of enlightenment, I don't think hairdressers think of the time. Mm. And I'm just saying that's where I think a lot of times there's that settle number as a freelancer, you're going to, well, I would only charge her this much and I'd get it. Whereas if I charge her what Robert suggests, it's $1 million, they're not going to want to pay that. So I think in some ways, mm. that's got a little bit to do how they think about the freedom and flexibility. It's also flexibility and pricing. People who work for me, we dictate the price. If it's not, it's you. So I would have... So your freelancers, of- your freelancers can charge what they want. Yeah. Is that what you're yeah, saying? They're absolutely working for themselves. They can make their own prices. They can make their own hours. They can make their own cancel. They have to do everything themselves. Actually. It's not that they can, they have to, but your it's employees their have, own, to, have to stick with your pricing. Their own. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Sorry, Mary. Yeah. That's okay. But let me just bring up a situation. A young lady who no longer works for me and I, for many reasons, but this was the one good one. She was maybe an $85, $90 element, but still had $25 haircuts on her book. Okay. And was insistent she didn't want to shake them off. Now, in my world, I, I had to insist she shook a few off mm. because it was just killing 
the performance of what she was making. Now, well, yeah. So let's think of that now in a forward focus freelance sort of way. Now, if you've got your favorite client aunt and you want to do his hair for 10 bucks, that's your, you've got absolutely freedom to do that. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the second part of flexibility. So when you, I thought I had flexibility, I got five elements you can work through. That is not flexibility because what I'm looking at is your average ticket. So every time you're making deals, it's going to show up on my world. Mm-hmm. Now I won't see it. So you can do what you want. You can have the perfect life, charge what you want. And that can be up or down, Anthony. Don't always assume it's upwards. Mm-hmm. Oftentimes it's giving people the deal or the break and yeah, you yeah. may be able to afford it because you're freelancing yeah. and you're not going through the pay structure or the taxation structure. So, Or like some of the freelancers have been sharing with me like, whoa, oh my gosh, can't believe this cost that much. Can't believe that cost that much. Oh my gosh, I have to increase. I can't believe how much it is to use the demi. It's probably yeah. good for my employees. They're hearing all this shit. So I'm staying where I'm at. Yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. Well, not even that. It is, well, salon scale is very eye-opening because they see how much they're using per guest and how much it's costing them per guest compared to what they're charging that guest. Mm. So it's a very eye-opening situation with every single guest that sits in their chair. Mm. So the whole thought of like, oh, maybe I'll give you a discount. No, I won't because I'm paying for this. So basically now, instead of not caring because Robert's paying or the yeah, salon's yeah. paying, exactly, they're like, oh, I'm paying for this. And now it, it means more. Mm. I, and I they're being more gentle with their color usage and their product usage and all of that. Yeah, I, I know a year ago, if we were talking about this, that, that you were using the expression a lot of, um, I wrote it down, what was it? Um, so less clients, fewer clients, more services. Fewer clients, and, more And that was like your, your mantra. You were like just banging it out yeah. again and again, because you couldn't double book because of social yeah. distancing. So, Mary, what are you doing with that now? Are you back to double booking? Enjoying it. No, no. Right, okay. Oh, I love it. The higher average bills. Yeah, it's great. If you would have told me before the pandemic that I would not double book, I just didn't know the difference. And so it was one of those things, like I was born into the industry and everyone double booked. So that's how we did it. Mm. I would have, I think I had the misconception after 20 something years that I was doing my guests a favor by getting them in, squeezing them in, making sure that, I had 10 people a day because, oh, they really need to get in. And now, oh my gosh, I give way better service. My pre-booking is amazing. I'm selling the take-home I need to sell. I mean, I get bigger tips because I'm just pampering my guests to death. I can eat lunch. I can use the restroom. I can drink all the water I need to drink because I'm not worried I'm not going to be able to go to the bathroom. And I'm not leaving my soul on the salon floor when I leave. Now, there's a couple occasions where I have a guest that'll be like, oh, can I bring my daughter in? So if it's like a family member, I will. And I did a couple weeks ago. My guest's daughter was in from college and I hated every second of it. I'll be honest with you, because I had to ask somebody to shampoo for me because her color was done processing, switching around. Like, I just felt like I couldn't. you know, finish my conversation with one and be complete with one before I went to the next. So for Mm. me, I will not go back to double booking. I make more money. I, I don't want to say I'm working less, but I'm, I'm not working as hard because I'm not doing your hair, thinking about how long I have to process focusing on when Linda's coming in and how much time, like, where am I going to figure out to make stuff happen? And then what do I have to cut out? So usually I would cut out, hopefully somebody could pre-book for me. Hopefully somebody I can say like, Hey, can you grab her some shampoo? 
Now I'm like, you know, while she's processing, I make sure she has those future reservations. I find out what product she's out of, let her know that I'm going to use a new product on her today because of how she wants to style her hair, get my station set up. Like, it's so great. It's so great. I feel like, and I can take before and after pictures. I can take during pictures and video. Mm-hmm. Um, no, do, I mean, double booking is for some people feel like they're idle. I don't just go and sit and do nothing. Yeah, I do yeah. a lot of stuff while they're processing. Mostly it's stuff for them. Yeah. Um, but it's great. I have no desire to go back to double booking. I don't think I can't do it. No, well, even good. when it no, does happen, or the, the pace had changed when you're used to this. And I will tell you, Long before COVID, there was so much failure rate in our industry. The retention after five visits mm-hmm. is because we squeeze. So the first thing I said long before I said fewer clients, more meaning, I said it's the pace, not a race. So if you really want to keep and retain clients when they're in such scarcity right now, it's not trying to multitask and be trying to do three things at one time. Those days have got to be over. Uh, people want that one-on-one journey. And I think this is really what we're trying to establish here that makes a big, big difference to it. So the the kind of experience and journey, if you really pay attention to that at any level, you're going to see a bigger ticket, whether you're charging $30 a haircut or $300. And I think this is the thing that moving forward, I think Mary hit on it, the exhaustion of a hairdresser starts burnout, starts yeah. where you don't love clients, starts where you're not listening to clients. I can't tell you how many times I'm looking across and I can tell that nobody's listening in the conversation. So I think it's very much about details. And right now, I think it's time to really hone in on the details of what a guest experience. Mary talked about the consultation as we're doing it with our young kids. I remember the first couple of days she said to the client, how much do you want off? <laughs> that was the consultation. I'm like, okay, we, we can build on that. <laughs> we can be better. We can okay. be better. Now, these little kids are killing it. They're moving forward all the time. They, they get so excited when they sell product. And I'm just saying, it's got very, we just, we got very lucky with a group of them. And it's really been quite fun for me as a teacher. But uh, I would just say, when you look at, elevated consultation no matter where you're from what dialogue you want to choose how you want to use photographs i've got to tell you we had a could have been a 75 year old brought in pinterest stuff to show the picture to the stylist you know and it was kind of you know it's just this is the world we live in so getting the buy-in that this is the hairstyle we had some kind of a little strange Mm. man come in and he wanted a haircut and he explained it in a certain uh, you may remember it was like he said I want a taper and the girl looked at me and said what's a taper uh, so anyway we go through a few dialogue things and eventually he whips out his phone and shows her a picture bingo she knew exactly what to do and I think this mm. is something very much part of today very much part of what a client needs to see to get the buy-in and then the retention level is going to speak for itself but the pace of it, I still think it's about slowing the machine down so that you can actually be more accurate. I think that's really what we want to get. It's what I want to get from the cutting room. Mm. Uh, I'm not even worried about the revenue. All I want to know is you're having that trifecta of success, that you're obviously getting the haircut, you've upgraded to a treatment, and then they took some of what you said home with them. Yeah, and if you yeah. can make that happen, make that happen, then you probably keep that habit for life. And you know, you didn't go deep on it, but... commission is outrageous, but let's look at the old way. We talk about making big margins on retail, but we sell very little. Mm -hmm. What if we're not thinking about any margin? We're just thinking it as a way to retain our team. They work in a salon where if they do their job right and sell and recommend take home, the care factor, 
that they'll actually make a chunk of change. I mean, at 40%, that's what some salons pay in commission. Mm -hmm. So the reality there is you have a chance to create a side hustle within the business of doing your job. And I just, I'm not going to be, I want this as part of the culture. And yeah, I may not be uh, making much money on the take home, but it's not there to make money on. It's there to retain the crew. It's there as an incentive to keep them happy and, and, and not have an Amazon thoughts that Amazon's deadly. You make no money from Amazon. Do it yeah. here. Well, I, I know yeah. that, you know, a year ago, 18 months ago, you were doing a lot of curbside pickup and stuff for, for retail. Um, aside from the 40% commission that you're now giving people, what uh, what other changes have you seen in your retail model? Are you doing more online stuff? That you know, have you got a uh, uh, an e-commerce platform on your website, or is that not something that you're doing? We do. We have. We do have an Amazon storefront. Okay. So, and we do have access to that. There's a shop icon on our website and on our salon app. But I'll be honest. In San Diego, our guests come in for it. Like mm-hmm. they're not really ordering online. So we don't make a huge amount of money from it. We do offer it to people when guests are asking for it. We do let them know, hey, you can order direct from here. We do get a we do get credit for it. We tell them because it is our storefront and we do get a, a kickback. But our, we are doing well. Like Clean Beauty is our newer line of products that Paul Mitchell has. It's the sustainable beauty. And mm. that's probably a year and a half in. It was October yeah. 2020, I think it came out when we yeah. first got our first um, order. And guests were walking in asking, do you have that clean line? Do you have those clean products? People were asking mm-hmm. for it. And it is Good. one that we are not keeping on the shelves. So that's really great. Like I'm having to order it by the case. And I love that. Mm-hmm. I like when, you know, I see it clearing out. So uh, yeah, our our guests, I feel lucky in, I know that there's other salons out there that do amazing with like e-commerce and online sales, but San Diego is a, an unusual breed, I think. So for me, I feel like we do pretty well. I always want to do better, but we do quite well in the salon with people buying and they come to directly to us for it. I don't know if it's because it's easily accessible. You know, we're right in downtown San Diego and yeah. And guests will call, put stuff on hold. They also like that we have their credit card on file. So they'll like text the salon and say like, Hey, I'm out of this. Can I, can you just charge my card and I'll swing by and pick it up? Or can you ship it to me? Mm. So that's not really an online sale because we're doing a little bit of the work for them, but. Sure. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. I, I know another thing, Robert, we spoke about at some point was how during COVID, there were a lot of clients who were getting hairdressers to come to their home. And a lot of that was being done illegally, shouldn't have been being done. But we were talking at at the time about actually there's a demand for that and that you were talking about the potential for having on your salon menu the option for home visits at a premium price. Is Is that something that you've seen happening? Well, we actually partnered with a company and it didn't really go anywhere, which disappointed me because at the time I thought it was perfect timing as a recruitment platform also. Didn't you want to call it HairDash? Yeah, HairDash. Instead of DoorDash. We have DoorDash here. I don't know if you have that. Uh, Oh, I know what it is. Yeah, yeah. As I say, it is a reality. I know it was in the UK too, and it doesn't go away with that habit. And, you know, I I, I ran into a guest of mine from 30 years ago 
And she said she'd be going to see her young lady and she has to bend over the kitchen sink. And I still pay this same is what she said. Yeah. So I want you to pay attention to that <laughs> because if I'm coming to your house or you're coming to my house, because that's also the scenario, yeah. um, then does it still have a brand name price? Because if you think about my salon brand, that's why it's got a premium. Yeah, what yeah. you may want to do in your kitchen may be different or somebody else's kitchen because it's often a lean over the sink. It is not a yeah. indulgence of water, hot towel experience per se. I'm not saying it's negative. Or it's a go upstairs and shower if and, you're in their house. And for the information we got from the company we were going to partner with is people don't seem to mind but I'm just saying it all depends. So we haven't pursued it, but I still think it's something that if a guest called us and said, could you, I know we would arrange it to have to do just because it's good service. So yeah, yeah. I think it is a futuristic thing. I've got a few team members do a lot of weddings and outside stuff. So they're sort of putting it through now and bringing, you know, at first they were doing it at home. And then I said, well, we got the salon here. So then they started working on it, bringing that guest through the salon, which is a much better position for them to look at because the client sees them in a different light. Um, so we're doing pretty good with that, but you know, uh, e-commerce will follow. I, there's no doubt in it. There's a kind of reach point, but um, you know, as I say, I believe it's about us making an impact and, you know, maybe if you have a client for 30 years, she may go on, I guess, on a shopping habit at Amazon, but right now it's about, that's the thing that separates us from anywhere is that we have a touch point. We're getting you involved. We're teaching you how to do it. We're taking pictures. I have this beautiful doorway at the cutting room and we take people out there and there's a big line of people in the restaurant next door. It looks like my line, Anthony. It looks like I'm killing it. But either way, we're out there doing selfies, and, you know, doing the client's hair and they're all looking in. Uh, we put monitors in the window to take advantage of the street traffic. So I've been editing a lot of stuff and really try to communicate from the street uh, and capturing as much as we can from the kids. I mean, I, all my Instagram is promoting the cutting room, but mostly sharing with the world what I'm doing. Uh, you know, like not necessarily in a, this type of style, but visually seeing me going through marketing, seeing the kids, seeing the team, how I film the team and stuff. And then I make the little movies and put it on television. Yeah. Uh, it's been kind of fun to capture. Yeah. Uh, last thing I wanted to ask you about, and you've touched on a couple of them already, uh, and I know you're you're always, you know, in tune with technology and what new things are happening. Uh, you mentioned Salon Scale. Uh, I love Salon Scale. I've, I've done a couple of uh, interviews with Alicia, who owns it. Uh, and th those sort of models, there's there's uh, two or three of them, you know, out there now, uh, one UK-based uh, uh, and I think they're definitely the future. But I wanted to ask you about that because I know I also saw something you were doing, uh, I think it was on Instagram, I think it was about Tippy. And I know that you're, you know, millennium clients and you were into Zizor when Zizor was a thing. Uh, so, so is there any uh, particular uh, technology things that you've picked up on lately that you couldn't do without that you think are just amazing? For me, it's the, it's salon scale and we're only maybe a month, six weeks in it's salon scale for sure. Because even regardless of having a hybrid model where we have freelancers, booth renters that are paying by the buying by the ounce, this is the first time, like as salon owners, we can have full transparency of our usage because now when somebody you like over mixes, I can at least still see what that usage is rather than, you know, we used to do the thing where you like pour the excess into like a, mm 
a bigger bin and then you weigh it. And then I like, I don't know what to do. How do I multiply that and know how much money I'm losing or whatever. So this way here, at least I can see what my cost of goods are and compare it to how much product I'm buying, what we're selling. And does it, does it eventually balance out or am I overusing? Um, For me, salon scale is like a must have for everybody. And And not especially if you're a freelancer, anybody that owns their own business and they're using product, because I think that the cost of goods goes by the wayside. I think that a lot of people, Mm -hmm. you know, it's you have to buy the product, but you don't really know how to quantify it once you're using it because you put it on the guest's head and then some of it goes in the garbage. And now people are like, even just my, my salon team that are employees that are seeing like, Oh my gosh. Okay. So I overmix by this many, I overmix by a half an ounce. They just stick it in their notes and they know like, instead of mixing three ounces for Jan, I'm going to do two and a half ounces because that was the perfect amount. Yeah. So it's really helping. It's a much more forward focus, realistic way to move forward on getting people to mix the right amount of color without jumping down their throat and saying like, Oh my God, you're overmixing. Why are you throwing that much down the drain mm. for my freelancers? If they overmix, they're still paying for it. Mm. So if I mix five ounces of color, because I think Rapunzel's hair is so much and I only use three ounces, I'm still paying for the five. So in that in that aspect, go ahead, mix up as much as you want, as long as you weigh it and pay for it. I yeah. also think, Anthony, you know, the old way was we pass the information on, hope the desk, get it in the computer for next time here. You're never going to have a flaw because you're doing it. So there's a beautiful documentation of what was done last time, yeah. which is transparency for the hairdresser back to elevated experience is being consistent. So there's so many viewpoints. And again, back to color, we can also cross-check our employees. If your color usage was 30% of the ticket or above, I'm like, okay, so you didn't charge enough. So we can find little flaws that we couldn't really know because you can't record everything that was being used. Mm-hmm. Even down to people, make, you know, some of these processes of color take six visits to the color bar. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's not accounted for. And let's just go back in time. Everybody talked cost of goods 10%. It was based on great coverage. Yeah. One yeah it was in the old world. It was yeah. before Noah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the so- art. Yeah. So now if you look at what a color is, it is so much more. And I don't think Andy's reevaluated what it is. And it's kind of like getting your car fixed. There's parts and labor. Mm -hmm. Let's start to really understand what the parts are. Mm-hmm. And, you know, for some of my freelancers, finding out what foil costs, you know, usually that's just especially let's, with let's the- have a foil party. <laughs> like, you don't pay for it. Now well, you do. Especially with the increase. Yeah, um, yeah. But what I was going to say, the other thing, which we haven't done this yet for our employees, but the thing that Alicia at Salon Scale sort of trains on and recommends that you do is. So if I find, if I am, whatever I'm charging through Salon Scale, whatever it comes up to be, that is my cost of product for you, Anthony, she recommends you add that into the guest price. So if it's 50 bucks for me to color your hair, but it costs, you know, $6 for your product usage, it would then be $56. Mm -hmm. So she takes it even further to like have the guest incur the cost of the product that you're using on their hair. So that is pretty interesting too, because we didn't do that. We sort of wrapped the whole price into it. And, you know, we have one price and then you just take the cost of cost of goods out of that price, more or less. But the client doesn't know that the client doesn't know X was for product and Y was for service. 
Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, it would show, I think you put it, I haven't ventured to do it yet because I'm still yeah. trying to understand it. And I think it yeah. goes under retail or something she said, which I'm not quite sure about. And for us, because we pay a 20% bonus on retail, mm. we have to be careful where we put it because I don't want to pay them a bonus. Uh, you know, if they're doing $20, they're paying, charging their client $20 for the product. I don't want to pay them 20% of that. I don't want to pay back. Yeah, course, so I have yeah. to figure that out for us. But oh. But it is a great way to, especially for freelancers, if you want to make sure. It's perfect timing for us. It was, yeah, it was great. If you want to make sure that you're charging this person $50 and that's what you're getting, Mm. then you need to charge in addition to for your product. So it's a really great system. I mean, you can choose to do it or not to do it, but I like that taking it to the next level. And Mm. we did have a hybrid salon previous to California changing the laws which was in 2018 when they said you couldn't have independent people, freelancers working with employees. And we had a very different system of how we charged our freelancers. And this one is, I think for me, way better, much more accurate. And I think in the long run, it's going to make things line up better, especially in our QuickBooks. Yeah, good. Okay. Well, listen, I'm, we're going to have to uh, start to wrap this up, which is a shame because I always enjoyed talking to you too. It's very interesting to get your insights from the, you know, from the coalface, and I know things are constantly changing in California, seemingly at the best of times, but over the last two years, it's been uh, an absolute whirlwind. Uh, Whereabouts can people connect with you on Instagram or TikTok or whatever social media channels you're on? Oh, yeah, at Robert Crow means for Robert on Instagram and Facebook as well. He has Facebook Messenger. And for me, it's at Cuomo Cromines, C-U-O-M-O-C-R-O-M-E-A-N-S. And we do take care of our own social media. So if you DM Robert, he's going to be the one who's responding to you. It's not somebody else. Uh, Our salons, uh, at Robert Cromines, salons, careers, (laughs) that's a long one. Uh, Our career page, uh, we do have Uh, a social media company that takes care of our social media for posting. However, everything goes through us for approval. And when there's a DM, they send the DM to us for us to reply or at least send the reply that they want them to do. So we do take care of everything on our own and it is coming straight from the goat's mouth. (laughs) All right. Well, I will put those links uh, in the show notes for today's podcast. If you listen to this podcast with Mary and Robert Chromians and have enjoyed it, do me a favor, take a screenshot on your phone. Uh, share it to your Instagram stories. We'd love to uh, get your feedback and input on that. And don't forget to subscribe and leave us a rating and review on the Apple Podcast app. So uh, to wrap up, Mary and Robert, it's been an absolute pleasure. We can't leave it so long uh, next time, but it's uh, it's been fantastic to, to see you, uh, even though it's over Zoom, and to talk to you and get your wisdom. So thank you very much for being on this week's Grow My Salon Business podcast. Thank you, Anthony. It was Thanks, our pleasure. Abby. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. If you'd like to connect with us, you'll find us at growmysalonbusiness.com or on Facebook and Instagram at growmysalonbusiness. And if you enjoyed tuning into our podcast, make sure that you subscribe, like, and share it with your friends. Until next time, this is Anthony Whitaker wishing you continued success.